Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's edition of Midweek in the Word. My name is Jared Erke and I'm the technical coordinator here at Faith Bible Church and it is truly an honor to be hosting the podcast this week. Normally, this podcast is hosted by Pastor Brad Myers, but he and I played a little game of musical chairs today. (laughs) There we go. And across the table from me is the man himself, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor and the normal host of this podcast, Pastor Brad Myers. Hey, Brad. (laughs) Hi, Jared. Uh, It's good to be here. I'm I'm glad we're able to give Tom a week off, and I'm excited to jump into this new series with kind of a different format as well. So this will be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. So right now, you and Pastor Tom are preaching through a sermon series called Simply Jesus, and last week your message was titled Lord of Creation, and Mm. you jumped in kind of at the last minute to (laughs) preach for Tom because he had a little uh, incident regarding his back and a lot of snow. There, 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 there. You know, it's funny that you say it's a Tom's... Tom and I, a series Tom and I are doing, yeah. <laughs> mostly Tom's sermon series. It was just kind of, uh, I guess God had a different plan in mind. But the good news is for our listeners, uh, Tom is feeling better. He's starting to feel a little better. So That's he's at good. least on the mend. Hopefully he'll be back again this Sunday for for uh, for the sermon as well. That's good. We hope so. We all need a break every once in a while. <laughs> there Not, you go. No, no pun intended. Tom, Tom we... <laughs> went to some extremes to get a break. Yeah. He could have just asked for a day off. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yes. But, well, thank you for the short short notice message you gave us all last week. And I, I know I uh, speak for many when just saying it was, you know, very meaningful and just we appreciate it very mm-hmm. much. So thank, well, thank you, you again. Thank you. My pleasure. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the message from last week. The uh, Lord of creation, um, you highlighted the storm, um, Jesus and his disciples in the storm mm-hmm. where Jesus was asleep, and you taught us about the back of a boat and the front of a boat, <laughs> there, and there you, you, go. Just, you just gave us more things to think about, just more insight on maybe how the disciples mm-hmm. were feeling being out in the boat, you know, being more aware of storms and people in their lives that they maybe have lost to storms and mm-hmm. things, and I guess just what stood out to you the most, mm-hmm. um, just preaching... Um, the Lord of creation. You know, I think it, it was a good reminder. It, it's it's amazing how uh, such a short, simple story can can be so convicting. You know, and Mark Mark most of his stories are short like that. So I really like the format. But what what really struck me um, again, you know, in addition to maybe the the incredible miracle of what we see, you know, in the big big moment, calming the storm, that Lord of creation theme, obviously, um, was also just Christ's patience with the disciples after that. I was, I was just really struck by his, by his reaction, not only to stand up and calm the storm, which is what we think of, um, but also to address the storm that in a lot of ways the disciples were feeling in their own hearts. Um, and that's where it really struck home for me, and just in difficult seasons, you know, um, Jesus's patience with us, his willingness to um, to to allow us to fail, to allow us to mess up, and yet be patiently teaching us what we need to know as well is it's an encouragement for me at least it was mm-hmm. just so. an, another example of the good shepherd exactly yeah exactly <laughs> that that motif um, mm-hmm. that that really gets played out especially even in the mark in you know in the Gospel of Mark where we see that idea and and Jesus as the the servant leader you know as the suffering servant that he draws on from Isaiah. 
Um, good, good reminder, I thought, from Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again so much for your message. Um, and we'll look forward to just keeping it rolling next week. And Tom will be mm-hmm. back next week. There you go. Right? Yep, yep. Yep. Good. Lord willing. <laughs> Always Lord <laughs> Always. willing. Exactly. Always. So we started off the year by sharing a little about Faith Bible's mission and values. Mm -hmm. Um, And starting this week, we're going to move into an eight-week session we've entitled, How the Gospel Impacts Every Area of Life. Um, So Brad, before we get into the real questions here, why did you feel this was an area we needed to cover? Uh, You know, it's a a lot like... It's, it's a lot like even the message on Sunday. You know, no, nothing in the message was necessarily radical or probably things people hadn't heard before. You know, so often from Scripture, it's, it's the things that we've heard before, that we've known before, that we need to be reminded again of. And in a lot of ways, this is the same idea. I, I find that for a lot of people, they've, they've gone through the truth of the gospel at, at one point in their lives, you know, and, and, and God opened their eyes to the truth of the gospel, and they put their faith in Jesus, and then they kind of leave the gospel behind. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know there's a tendency in my own heart to do that as well. Um, and so we kind of rely on the gospel in the past for our salvation, you know, that that he's dealt with my past, you know, and one day I'm going to be in heaven. So you've got kind of the past reality, you've got the future reality of heaven, but What's the current reality for our sanctification, for the way we live our lives today? And so I think trying to build a bridge and help all of us realize and see how the gospel impacts today is, is something that's really needed, not only at Faith Bible Church, but probably with a broader audience as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and since we're talking about practical life topics, yeah. we also thought this would be a good opportunity for you, our listeners, to hear a little more about the personal lives of some of our pastors and elders. And I guess, Brad, you get a start since you're, you're here today. <laughs> there, there you go. There you uh, go. So what, what is your one-minute testimony? Yeah, ne- never do it, or never uh, ask anybody else to do something you're not willing to do yourself, <laughs> I guess, is the principle here one way yeah. or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah, whether our listeners know or not, I, I, I was raised uh, in western Nebraska. Um, actually, my dad was a pastor growing up. Um, out in Bridgeport, clear out in the Panhandle, and then we moved farther east to somewhere north north of Grand Island. Um, and and growing up in the church, it, you know, obviously I'd heard the Bible taught, I heard the heard the gospel. Um, my my dad had faithfully preached for years, um, but in a lot of ways, for me, there was this: uh, our family are Christians, you know, sort of mindset. And and I came I came to I, I believe genuine saving faith at a young age, you know, at six. Um, but the reality of that didn't really strike me probably until high school. And so 16, 17, where at some point I had to make my faith my own. I had to realize, is this my parents' faith or is this my faith? Uh, I was baptized shortly after that. Um, <clears throat> and, and God just been at work in my heart ever since. I, I, again, this is my one-minute testimony. You know, there's so many stories of his faithfulness that I could, I could share. Um, but ended up, ended up going to the university um, uh, here in town in Lincoln. Uh, got a degree, actually, in construction management, which probably isn't what people would expect. Uh, started attending Faith Bible Church, um, got married, obviously. Um, I guess the rest is kind of history, but God, God has been so faithful uh, over that whole time. Um, admittedly, I didn't ever see myself going into pastoral ministry, <laughs> just based upon growing up in the church and, and with my dad being a pastor. Um, but you find yourself where you are and... Uh, yeah, it's it's been one of those things where I've just gotten to see God's faithfulness again and again in my life. Mm-hmm. So, continuing on that road, how did you actually end up as an elder or pastor here at Faith? <laughs> yeah, 
Um, again, not not the path that I was planning. Obviously, my degree wasn't anticipating this in undergrad studies. Um, my wife and I got married. Well, I mean, your sister obviously uh, got <laughs> I know, married. I know her. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, <laughs> while I was while I was still in school, yeah. finished up my degree, graduated. Um, we started attending here Faith Bible shortly after we were married. Um, just started volunteering the high school youth group because we had a passion for. Uh, for high schoolers, for the struggles that they're facing, for the challenges that we faced when we were in that season of life, and uh, got opportunities to teach. Had a number of occasions where people are like, "Have you ever thought about teaching? Have you ever thought about you know doing this more full time?" And I was like, "You know, I saw I saw the way that went in my family growing up. I'm you know that's not necessarily what I feel like God is calling me to." Because uh, you know, my dad's a pastor, my grandpa's a pastor. I, it's just one of those things. Um, Anyway, one one door kind of opened to another, and and eventually I became convinced that what God was calling me to um, is to at least consider full time ministry. Got the chance to do an internship here at Faith Bible Church, um, and I guess the path or the rest is kind of history. Went from an intern to the high school pastor, from the high school pastor to adult ministry, which is what the role I'm currently in, um, and just loving the opportunity to teach God's word to God's people. Uh, it's just been a joy. Mm-hmm. So. So the third question we have for you, and I'm going to add a little bit to this. What is a favorite verse of yours, and what is the context of that verse? <laughs> there, there you go. And why? Uh, you know, it's funny. That's actually that's part of what I was thinking yeah. of getting ready. Uh, one, and maybe it doesn't sound very new to people, but one verse that's really struck me um, more recently is Romans 3, 24 through 26, which, again, you know, kind of context, most people are familiar with Romans 3, 23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Paul is expounding on the truth of the gospel and how it's sufficient to save everyone, both the Jew and the Greek in Romans 1 and 2. Um, and then for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but 24 through 26 just really strikes me as significant and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, which is actually part of what we're going to talk about this morning, um, who God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And then this, this was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I, I love that phrase. So he can be shown to be both just, he is perfectly righteous, he is perfectly holy, he has a moral standard, and that moral standard must be met. No sins just get forgotten about. I love that concept. And then on the flip side, he can also be the justifier. He can apply that justification to us through Christ's work on the cross. So, so God can be both, and this is you know, it's kind of the character attributes of God. In this verse, you get to see God's righteousness and holiness and God's mercy perfectly displayed, 100% righteous and 100% merciful and forgiving. And I love that combination that we see in this verse, that we can rely on the fact that God is the righteous judge, and at the same time, he can offer us forgiveness free of charge through the gift of Christ. That, that verse has just struck me again and again at what the significance of that is for, well, ironically, for our identity, right? You know, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good uh, transition right into our topic there. <laughs> I've been doing this too long, yeah. apparently, you know, I just build in my segues and you're the one yeah. that's hosting. So. Well, I was about to say we could probably just end the podcast right there. <laughs> Amen, that was pray fun. and close. That's it. That's it. So... No, thank you for sharing yeah. all of those things. Yes. Um, now we let's get into our our actual topic for the week. But like I said, I think that was a pretty good topic right there. We could, just, <laughs> there we could call it a week. But 
Um, that topic is the gospel and, as you already mentioned, your mm. identity or mm. our identity in Christ. So, Brad, since this is our first week with this new topic or new se- series, I guess, for podcast series, yeah. um, this is a great question. I love this question. And you cr- you came up with the question. <laughs> I'm going to give you credit. There, there you go. It says, what do we mean by the gospel? Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Even even you know, before we were talking, you know, before we started the podcast, you were talking about how we we throw around this gospel term, and it's one of those great ideas of a, a Christianese language where you're like, if you're new to the church, you're like, what are they talking about? You know, I mean, what is this gospel? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, literally, gospel in the New Testament means good news. Okay, so so when when the New Testament writers use gospel, they're saying literally the good news, and it's generally the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's literally the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, and so then we have you know the gospels, the four gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The story of the good news of Jesus Christ is the concept here. So, in context of the Bible, what we understand the gospel um, in specific definition to be is the reality that you know Romans three twenty three: all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? There is a perfect standard. Sinlessness is what God expects from humanity. But because of Adam and Eve's sin. We have all fallen. We all are born in a fallen state. So both by the nature of being Adam and Eve's you know, sons and daughters, we're sinful. And then also by the acts we commit, we confirm that sinfulness. So all of us are sinful. That's absolutely the case for every person who's ever lived. But the good news of Jesus Christ is precisely what Romans 3, 24 through 26 talks about, that Jesus came, that God put the full weight of his wrath for our sins on Jesus, uh, Christ paid the penalty that we could not pay in and of ourselves, and that's where that propitiation term comes in. So now Christ is the substitute for our sins. So for anyone that puts their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, who repents of their sins and asks for forgiveness, relying entirely upon Christ uh, to, 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 to be their salvation, not anything that they can do in their own power, not any works, you know, Galatians talks about works of the law and things like that, none of that. Faith in Christ. It, that's why we always say salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Reiterating the you know the, the three of the five tenets of the Reformation, and so that's what we mean by the gospel. That that core principle that the good news is that faith is available to anyone who puts their faith solely in Jesus Christ, having taken our punishment and granting us His perfection as a result of the way He lived His life. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk briefly about how this impacts our identity. And so let's define identity. Mm-hmm. The distinguishing character or personality of an individual. That's according to merriamwebster.com. Yep. But obviously what we mean by the title of the series is that there is some relevant impact of this good news in our lives today as well. So how does what the Bible calls good news intersect with what I believe about my character or personality? Uh, yeah, it's... <sighs> This is this is kind of is extremely relevant, right? You know, because our, our our modern era um, is is kind of fascinated with self exploration and who are we and how do I know my identity and and sort of things like that. And, and Scripture speaks just all over the place to this idea of who were we before we accepted the gospel and who are we fundamentally now that we have. I think one of the best places to go to is Second uh, Corinthians five sixteen through six one, and I just I just want to read that briefly. Because I, I think that it, it articulates it really well. Um, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians, says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
Um, Even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature, literally. There's something new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That reminder, reconciled us to himself, the gospel. That is, in Christ Jesus was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And so, so what Paul is doing there is he's, 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 he's teaching to a church that really needed to reform the behavior, but he's driving them back to the truth of the fact that if they are in Christ, if they've accepted the truth of the gospel at one point in their lives, now they're in Christ, so they're a new creature. You know, and most of the New Testament books do a very, very similar thing with identity, where they, like Ephesians would be a prime example. Ephesians 1 through 3 says, this is who you are as a reality of the gospel. And then Ephesians 4 through 6 talks about, now this is what you should do as a response. It doesn't say, reform your behavior, and then you'll be an acceptable Christian. What the New Testament consistently does, it says, you have been transformed through the blood of Christ. You have a new identity. You are a son and daughter of the king. You are a saint. You are a, any number of list, different things that are listed off. Um, now, as a result, you need to act differently. Act like a son. You know, like act like a daughter of, of, of God. And so, so Paul's point here in 2 Corinthians is you have a new identity. You are a new creature. You are not who you were before. Um, there is something fundamentally new about your identity. Mm-hmm. And I think you've already, you're already touching on this next question, but how is that significant for the way we live today? Yeah, I, it's, it's wild. Um, <laughs> I'm going I'm to steal here, here briefly from, from Paul Tripp. I, I love some of his terminology on this. And, and in one of, one of the videos I was watching by him a while ago, uh, he, he refers to it as, as we, we suffer from identity amnesia. He says, we forget who we are you know, fundamentally who we are in Christ. Um, and, and, and so we, we struggle to, to, to recognize. So, so let, me, let me put it this way. We, we have a tendency to define ourselves, um, define our identity by either or typically by what we do, right? You know, whether negatively or positively, you know, a lot of times we, we assign ourselves, I am this, you know, some sort of negative thing, or I am this, some sort of positive thing, you know, some examples of that, it would maybe in the positive would be like, we define ourselves by our work. You know, I'm a, I'm a plumber. I'm a, I'm a IT guy. I'm a pastor. I'm a, you know, this, this is part of what gives me value is kind of what I add to society or I'm serving in the church in this capacity. So this is what I bring to the table. Um, or maybe negatively, we define ourselves by our sin, you know, by our failures, um, by the things we've experienced, the things we've done in the past that were negative. Um, I can't help but think I was listening to something recently, a talk by Jackie Hill Perry. And I don't, I don't know if, if our listeners or you are familiar with the, the author. She, she's the author of the book, uh, Gay Girl, Good God. And she talks about her experience coming from homosexual lifestyle into the church, coming to the reality, saving knowledge of the gospel. And then she says, and after I was saved, I was meeting with, uh, with a disciple, you know, an older lady that was discipling me, and, and I kept bringing every discussion back to this, this, this sinful 
issue, this homosexuality, this, this sin in my life that I was struggling with. And, and this, this older lady looked at her and said, you got to quit defining yourself by this. There's a whole lot more going on in your heart. You've got bigger issues than this, this. This sin is a, is a symptom of a deeper issue at play in your heart. And it, it just, it strikes me because we have a tendency to do that. You know, we have a tendency to define to, to ourselves, again, either positively or negatively um, by our sin. Um, the other thing, and maybe, maybe, I don't know, you can edit this out if, it, if it's too much. I was, I was recently, <laughs> I was recently listening to, to a review um, on a new book, and I haven't read the book, so I'm not advocating for the book. I expect it will be good, but I haven't read it, so I can't, I can't endorse it. Um, but a review on a, the new book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And, and what the author, uh, uh, Carl Truman, I think, is, is doing is he's trying to do why, why identity? What has, what has changed in our identity uh, you know, over the past hundred years, basically, in our search for identity that's resulted in the sexual revolution? And he kind of goes through these major shifts. He talks about how at one point the self, who we are, was really psychologized. We became this, and that's, you know, Rousseau and some of the philosophers of that. And then at some point, the psychology became sexualized, you know, and so now you have sexual identity and you identify based upon your sexual preference. And then ultimately that becomes, that becomes sex becomes politicized, you know, and so now we have the modern era where we have all these debates about this. But fundamentally, it all goes back to that psychologizing of self, that I'm on some journey of exploration. Um, I'm finding who I am. You'll hear about that in all sorts of movies if you start to pay attention. And we're just fascinated with this concept of self-exploration, as opposed to what Scripture says is, you were a sinner. <laughs> like, that was fundamentally, your, your rebellion against God was fundamentally the defining characteristic of who you are. But now, through the, the reality of the gospel, you are a saint. You are a son and daughter of the king. That is your fundamental identity. You are not defined by any particular sin that you've struggled with in the past or even struggle with today. You are not defined by your positive works of righteousness, the things you do trying to merit with God. No, 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 none of that defines you. You're defined by who Christ says you are, and therefore your works are a result of that, not the defining characteristics. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a really long answer <laughs> for what, what is a fairly straightforward question, um, but I think, I think that's where we tend to get off. No, no and it, I think it, um, I, I've heard a couple words or phrases thrown around just lately that are not new, not mm-hmm. new, but like self-enlightenment yeah. or yeah. Self-evolve, self-evolution. Yeah. You hear those terms thrown out a lot when you're talking about one's identity as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, and so mm-hmm. and so our identity becomes this result of this self exploration. You know what I mean? It's this evolving idea, and and it's not to deny that on some level we change. You know, our character changes, our personality changes. You know, we believe in sanctification as believers. Clearly, we should be changing. You know, Christ changes us fundamentally, um, but from a matter of who we are, most fundamentally, um, it's who God says we are. You know, God is the ultimate standard and source of truth, and he says you are. You know, it's like I find it fascinating that you know, First and Second Corinthians, right, the Corinthian church, one of the worst churches in the New Testament, you know, I mean, just across the board, they struggle with a lot of issues, and Paul calls them saints. You know, he doesn't identify them. He does Their identity isn't wrapped up in the way they're behaving. It's wrapped up fundamentally in who they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we've already gotten a little personal here. <laughs> there we go. Uh, could you give our listeners some idea of how this has worked out in, in your life? 
Yeah, you know, I always got to be careful how personal you get, right? You know, uh, no, I, it's it's one of those things. I I think you know on, on the negative side, on the negative side of things, uh, personally, you know, like like many my age, as a young man, I really struggled with sexual sin, with lust, and and that temptation area. And it's so easy when you are growing up that way, and you're kind of defining who you are, and that's a struggle in your life. It's so easy to define yourself by your failure. So as a young man, it was, this was my struggle, you know, and for different people, it's different things, but I would wager a lot, can, you know, sympathize with what, what I struggled with. And, and you define yourself by that, and then you can become convinced that you're a bad Christian, you know, and so you hide, and you're afraid to confess your sin, you're afraid to be open with other people, uh, which just makes the situation worse, you know, and so you become defined by that failure. Um, or maybe... Maybe on a positive side, you know, um, more more recently, uh, or as a kid, even my testimony, growing up as a pastor's kid, part of the defining characteristic of my identity is, well, my dad's a pastor. You know, that's not really not really my identity, but, you know, you kind of latch on to this thing. Or, or even now, you know, I could define myself by my role, by being a pastor in the church, um, where fundamentally, I'm not even those things. I fill those roles. It's not wrong, but fundamentally, first and foremost, I'm 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 a sheep. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm a follower of Christ. I'm an individual. Um, I'm a saint. I'm I'm all of those things. And so so for me, is whether it's wrestling with the in, with the negative side where you really struggle, you go, I am not I am not defined by that. My most fundamental issue is not the sin I struggled with, you know, at at any given time or struggle with even today. Um, reminding myself that. I'm who Christ says I am, has a liberating effect on the negative side. But on the positive side, if I finally define myself by who I am positively, then at the moment I fail, you know, to do that correctly, to live up to other people's standards as a pastor's kid, or or to live up to my own standards or the standards of the church as a pastor, you know, whenever I fail to meet their expectations, it undermines my identity, you know. And so, so reminding myself that, that that's not first and foremost who I am, you know, I'm a son of God, I'm who God says I am, um, then I do certain things, but when somebody undermines that, when somebody would uh, take issue with that, which is you know, fair, we're like, we're all, we're all, we're all able to fail, um, that doesn't undermine fundamentally who I am. And so it's, it's got a grounding effect, I think, on our, on our faith. Mm-hmm. So any final thoughts? For this, for our listeners this week, you know, I, maybe I've shared everything I already have, but the, the one thing I would tell people on this identity issue is don't expect that it's a one-step sort of situation. When you're looking at the gospel, you're like, okay, Christ saved me in the past, and now I need to recognize today that Christ's death is sufficient for today as well. Don't think that's going to be a one-step and you're done sort of situation. You got to preach the gospel to yourself every day. You know, our heads and our hearts don't just instantly trans. We'd love to say, I got it. Now now I've got it all figured out. Um, but remind yourself that when you fail or when you're finding your identity in the things you do, try to ground yourself back in who Christ says you are and just preach the gospel to yourself. You know, say, Christ saved me. You know, he, he paid for all that sin and he gave me his perfection. This is who I am, regardless of what's going on in my life. And do that over and over and over and over again, because <laughs> it's going to take a, a repeated cycle. So... Mm-hmm. So this coming Sunday, Pastor Tom will be back. Yes, yes. And he will be preaching on Jesus and the demons, how Jesus interacted with demons. There you go. So uh, any any thought on that as we look ahead to that? I don't know if that's not something we prepared for. Yeah, I guess, but. yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's one of those things that we tend to err one of two ways on on spiritual warfare. Either we're like totally ignorant of it, 
you know, we've kind of got that that touched by an angel, you know, whimsical, strange view of angels and demons. Um, or on the other side, you got people that are just totally fascinated with it. And that that's that's given the weight that's given it in scripture. It's not <laughs> we don't know a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's and so trying to tread lightly and walk down the middle of the road saying this is a reality that we need to recognize. Mm-hmm. It's also not something we should be constantly on patrol for if you know what I mean sort of sort of walk that line and mm-hmm. recognize the way we're supposed to interact with it I think but I'm looking forward to Tom's message on it mm-hmm, definitely um, one note for our listeners if you do have a question for the podcast you can submit those questions to Brad or to Tom um, Brad's email address here at the church is Brad M as in Myers at fbclnk.org and Tom's email address is Tom R as in Rimple Tom R at fbclnk.org um, but thanks again so much for joining us this week if this has been helpful please do share comment or rate this podcast so others can find it um, and please know that the church leadership team here will be praying for you this week and we hope you join us again here next week on Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.